welcome to episode four of Fantasy Football Wives. I'm Anya. And I'm Sarah. And we are just nursing our hearts and our hangovers post-England going out of the World Cup in yesterday's semi-final. How are you feeling, Sarah? Oh, I'm trying to be optimistic. We've got a lot to be proud about, but the weather's not helping. It seems at the same time that football's decided not to come home that the English summer has also disappeared. In contrast to last week where it was 28 degree days and we were in the semi-final of a World Cup, we're now out and um, it's back to normal weather. So yes, there are so many positive things to talk about from England's campaign in this year's World Cup. The rise of Harry Maguire, Kieran Trippier, Jordan Pickford. These were players that nobody even knew their names up until four or five weeks ago. Gareth Southgate has become a hero, if not a fashion icon. And overall, England's relationship with its fans, with the press, it's it's miles ahead of where it was when we uh, went out in the Euros uh, two years ago. I mean, post-Euros, England have had real trouble getting people to show up for the friendlies, to fill the stadium, to get fans to pay any interest at all. And at the start of this World Cup, people weren't that excited. There weren't flags about. And in contrast to now, you know, there's flags in every town and every street and every car people really got behind the team I think it took everyone by a bit of surprise but it's given us something to be proud about and optimistic for the future they did well they're coming home heroes but it's just a start I personally think one of the big gaps with the team is the lack of depth but given the success of the um, under 17s the under 20s and their world cups last year when players like Phil Foden come up through the ranks it's just going to get better and better and I don't think England are going to have any trouble filling the stadiums for the next round of friendlies that already start in September. So carrying on the momentum and let's go and win the Euros now. Didn't think I'd be saying that after this World Cup. But yes, let's go and win the Euros. What I'm not really looking forward to is France-Croatia. I think that's such a rubbish final. But uh, I'll be rooting for Croatia. There are some amazing midfield players there who are in their 30s and it's probably their last chance to win the World Cup. Um, so I'll be rooting for them, even though I do love Loris. But yeah, I'd like Croatia to win it. How about you? Same. I operate an ABF policy in all sports, anyone but France. So Croatia it is. What's your prediction? What do you think the score is? Unfortunately, I think it will be France. Ugh, I'm going to be rooting for Croatia. I think they can do it. 1-0. The question is, are you going to bother watching the third place playoff? I mean, it's the most miserable game and we've already had this game, Belgium-England. If both teams put all their players out, go for it. It'll be a great show of Premier League talent. Yeah, I think it'd be that 20 out of 22 players would be from Premier League. Uh, yeah, I had this discussion with my husband this morning. He was, He's not really up for it. But if, they both, if both teams put out their A-teams, then I think it'd be a really good match. I'll want to watch it. Go out with a bang. So, so many players are coming back and they were, they can come back with their heads held high and they'll be bringing that confidence with them to the Premier League and we'll be discussing one of those players actually later on in part two when we start talking about fantasy. But before we go to that, we're going to do Good Week, Bad Week. Um, sorry, Roger's crying. Roger, what's wrong? Are you upset that England also announced the final? So first up in this week's Good Week, Bad Week is the fantastic news that those 12 boys that went missing about 19 days ago in Thailand have all been safely rescued. 
And one of those boys was photographed wearing an England shirt. And as a result, a number of football associations have and football players have come out to say that they want to support them, that they want to give them prizes, uh, offer them tickets. And I saw FIFA offered the 12 boys tickets to the World Cup final. Unfortunately, none of them can go because they're, they're too weak to travel. But it's been a really lovely reaction from the football community, hasn't it, Sarah? Yeah, and the England players as well have been getting involved. Carl Walker tweeted that he wants to get England shirts sent out to them, you know, celebrating their love of football. I've heard that they're going to um, Barcelona, has invited them to training camps. And it's just really nice to see the community of football getting around it. And obviously, so great that the operation went successfully and the boys got saved. So the next topic for Good Week is about Harry Kane as a child. There have been some photos circulating of him as an eight-year-old boy wearing his Arsenal kit, lol. Um, but the reason there's been a reaction is actually because Harry Kane was a little bit overweight as a child. And the Arsenal Academy have actually admitted that one of the reasons they let him go was because he was too big-boned. Was that their... Um... <laughs> the estimation of it, big boned. Yeah, I know that estimation has cost them a hundred million pounds. Um, but the reaction has been that these photos of Harry Kane are actually a real inspiration to overweight children who usually, if they want to take part in sports, uh, they feel like there isn't really a place for them. They're often the ones that are chosen last when teams are being picked. And actually, these photos have shown that, you know, you can go on to become a golden boot winner at a World Cup and the captain of your country. So um, it's a really, really nice story, I think. So good week for all those kids that get picked last in their five-a-side teams. Don't, don't take it to heart. Don't let it stop you. You could be Harry Kane. You could be Harry Kane. Okay, so the listeners, listeners won't know this because we've cut, but uh, actually we've uh, both had to bring our babies onto our laps because they want to get involved in the next topic for Good Week. So I was interviewed yesterday for the poll about my experiences in being a female football fan, and they've penned a really interesting article just highlighting that women are being focused in on by broadcasters in kind of a sexist way, and, you know, should this be okay or, or not, and... Is it just part of the game and the culture or really should we take a stand? And interestingly, FIFA have made comments today to say that they're going to crack down on this with the broadcasters and perhaps even issue penalties if they feel that the broadcasters in any way sexist. Before this World Cup, everyone was really worried that there were going to be incidences of homophobia and racism. But it just seems that actually um, sexism and the way that female football fans and female commentators and pundits are treated as, as taking more of the debate. Hmm. So I think this comes off the back of a comment that Ian Wright made after England beat Sweden, where he said something along the lines of, oh, I feel sorry for all the beautiful women of Sweden who have just seen their team lose. Quite patronising towards <laughs> female fans, regardless of their nationality. Well, all fans, really, because why is he just singling out feeling bad for the female fans? He should be feeling bad for all Swedish football fans. It's a stupid comment to make, um, and it just further promotes the image of, of female football fans, which, you know, we've discussed is something that we don't really worry about or feel when we're watching football, but certainly come across raised eyebrows out, outside of the stadiums when we talk about how much we 
know or love football. But anyway, it's interesting debate. I think it's great that FIFA have stepped in and see if the broadcasters make this small change and maybe focus on more diverse um, fans during the matches, then that hopefully will have a positive impact and and stop comments like those from, from Ian Wright. Yeah. Oh, I'm disappointed in Wright saying that. I love Ian Wright. Here's a story, Anya. I was once in the Evening Standard and the um, headline said, Ian Wright is mobbed by fans. So I actually mobbed Ian Wright once. It was me and my friend Lucy watching a West Ham Reserves versus Arsenal Reserves game when we were about 15 and we, we ran onto the pitch afterwards to get Ian Wright's um, autograph as he was playing for, I think it was Arsenal. So there you go. I have mobbed Ian Wright. You're joking. No, I'll, find, I'll try and find the photo. I had it the other day and I'll, I'll post it on our website. Yeah, definitely. You know what? Since you ha- mentioned it last week, I really noticed it at all the matches that I watched. How many female fans that, you know, that were pretty made up uh, were being featured during the matches? So I'm glad FIFA have stepped in. I'm sure there's a stat and someone, if there isn't, someone should have a look, you know, so we can have an objective discussion around it of how many of the shops of theme, of fans are the kind of trophy football fans and and then we can address it. I don't think it's something that happens during Premier League games at all. I don't think this is a this is a Premier League or an English football problem. I think this is more of a, a World Cup and, you know, potentially Euros issue because I've never noticed it domestically. But it's a debate worth having. Yeah. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, enough for FIFA to have stepped in. It's obviously serious. Yeah. So um, we've only got one bad week for this week. Um, well, it's been a bad week for all of us. Hasn't oh, no. it? Well, it started off as a good week with England winning against Sweden. But yeah, bad week for everyone. So we don't want to bring anyone else down with more bad week stories other than... Other than... Um, I don't know if you saw this, but so Thierry Henry is the assistant manager for the Belgian national team and Belgium played France in the semi-final, which they lost. Uh, But prior to that, he was getting absolutely attacked in the French, uh, by the French media for being a traitor, for being the enemy. Uh, It's somehow the French media had forgotten that he was one of the uh, team that won the 1998 World Cup. And they were just going for him, saying that he should step away from the Belgian national team for a couple of days, uh, that he wasn't loyal to France anymore. Uh, and I just think it's pretty disgusting, really. Um, this is a guy who has obviously chosen being a manager as the next step in his career. Uh, the Belgian national team have offered him this opportunity. He's taken it. Which also, for a job at the Belgian national team, he's working with some phenomenal players, so why wouldn't you take it? Exactly. Uh, And he's been completely penalised for it. And I was just really surprised um, by, yeah, how vicious they were. And his dad came out to defend him. And and then there was even a debate between some of the ex-French national players that he had played with, whether they thought that they should be supporting Thierry Henry or, or that they also agreed that he was the enemy. Um, so, yeah, he, he had a really bad week. Not only did he did Belgium then lose, going back to a country that isn't going to be necessarily have their arms wide open. It's ridiculous, honestly. It's not unusual for management 
staff of a team to be from another country. It's not a rule that they need to be from that country. So as you say, he's accepted a job, a very good job as a step in his management career. I mean, he could have gone and been the the manager of, I know, Costa Rica. And if France got such a problem about it, then why didn't they offer him a job? Exactly. But there we go. Exactly. It's not often I say poor Thierry Henry, but poor Thierry Henry. So that's the end of part one and stay with us because in part two, we're going to be discussing the Premier League fantasy football, which is now live. Woohoo! Welcome back to Fantasy Football Wives, episode four. As Annie said before the break, Premier League Fantasy Football is now live and so is our league. Uh, We've put the code on our social media channels um, and we'll put it in the show notes below. So please join us. We've got one month to start crafting your teams. As a quick recap, you have 100 million, 15 players, two of those are goalkeepers, five defenders, five midfield, three strikers with a max three from any team. I have already started building my team. I started with an auto-populate, which is my preferred method of starting. Um, and then we'll be constantly refining um, and this week, we're going to talk a bit about goalkeeper choices. Um, I've already put my goalkeepers in and I'm pretty happy with my choice. But Anya has some thoughts on maybe who are the best goalkeepers to include on your team and maybe some to swerve. Yeah. So what's your strategy when you choose goalkeepers? Like, do you have one? Like, how do you approach this? So my strategy is to go for a goalkeeper whose team I believe will keep clean sheets. So last year I started with Edison, but at the start of the season, Edison was letting in a goal pretty much every game. So I got rid of him, got Loris, who was meh. And then I moved on to Pope, who I stuck with for most of the season because he was just racking up the points. So you actually got rid of Edison? Yeah. So after Man U, Man City were actually the team that had the second most amount of clean sheets. If you'd stuck with him, he would have actually got you more points. So you're right in saying that um, clean sheets are one of the main ways that you get points. But you also get an extra point for three on-shot save and then five points for saving a penalty. And that's why Pope had so many points last season, because he was just saving shots left, right and centre. Exactly. So I think it was Fabianski as well had um he was the goalkeeper with the most saves last season as well so even if they haven't got a clean sheet you can still end up with three four five points because they've made so many saves well in that case I'm hopefully starting with the right choice this season as I've put in Edison as my first choice goalkeeper um I know you say don't play with love but I'm pretty confident he won't be letting anything past him and he's had also a good rest during the world cup as he wasn't Brazil's first choice goalkeeper which is just mad that they have someone better than him. But hey, love the boy from the favelas. So when it comes to goalkeepers, sometimes I get the impression people look at them last and they go, because they're actually quite cheap. I think the most expensive goalkeeper is De Gea with 6 million. And they're all similar price as well. There's not much in it. There aren't many goalkeepers that can really save you much money. Yeah, but I think if you choose two really good goalkeepers... Ideally, you shouldn't have to change them or transfer them out um, during the season. So for me, I look at clean sheets, but I also look at what fixtures that they've got coming up. So 
I think I mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago that Man City have got a really good start to the season. So Edison's definitely one of the more expensive options um, that I would be looking at. I also think he, Hugo Loris has had such a good um, campaign at the World Cup. He's going to be full of confidence. He's made some incredible saves. Uh, his save um, for France against Uruguay actually, that stopped them from equalising is, is probably going to be saved of the tournament. So he's also a good option. But um, I think a lot of people are going to be choosing Jordan Pickford. Um, partly because, Out of love? No. Well, yes and no. He's also a really good price. He's five million. And I also mentioned this two weeks ago, Everton have a great start to the season. So they've got fairly easy fixtures for the first nine weeks, except for game week six when they face Arsenal. And I was looking at some stats that apparently he's already the third most owned player in fantasy football. Thing is, your goalkeeper surely is only as good as your defence. Uh, yeah, so so that's actually another strategy that I think people look at, which is I know that I, I'm I'm probably not going to have Edison in my team as the goalkeeper, but I'll definitely have a Man City defender. So you can sometimes go cheaper on defenders. So Anya, who are you choosing as your goalkeepers? So I'm going to have Jordan Pickford as my main goalkeeper. And then my second goalkeeper, and I know some people just choose the reserve goalkeeper because they're cheap, but I'm going to probably go with Begovitz, um, who does start for Bournemouth, because I've actually had him a number of times before in previous years, and he's done well for me. And Bournemouth have some really nice opening fixtures. Um, there was, There are some other budget options, like Ryan for Brighton, and uh, I just mentioned Fabianski, uh, who's now at West Ham. But um, they don't have that easy fixtures, so I'd be wary of going for them. So, yeah, I'm going to join the crowds and, and choose Pickford and then have Begovitz as my second goalkeeper. And surely a lot of people must be considering David De Gea as their goalkeeper, Dave Saves. He's the most expensive at £6 million. Um, But he had a questionable World Cup performance. So I wonder yeah. if he's going to have a good start for United this season. Yeah, most clean sheets last season. He won Golden Glove. Um, you know, I had him in my team all last season. But you're right, it has has his confidence been knocked uh, post his performance for Spain? Well, we can only find out. I don't think I can justify £6 million when I can save a million and buy Jordan Pickford. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Thanks, Enya. Great advice. Um, I am probably going to stick with my choices of Edison. And my second, which you mentioned last podcast, is Kasper Schmeichel. Um, I've got high hopes for him. I was so impressed with him at the World Cup. Um, and I might have a small crush. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Furian Sport Management, the athlete management agency that puts athletes first. This week, shout out to Josh Landman, who's a future Paralympic athlete who's just joined them. Follow him on social media at Josh Landman. Thanks, Furian. So really excited to have our first guest on Fantasy Football Wives podcast. And we chose someone who was a huge supporter of us even setting up this podcast and really was the person that went, just get on with it, girls. Um, so <laughs> introducing the one and only Kevin McAdam and his dad. Hi, Dad. Sarah. 
Yeah. Wasn't Gary Neville available? Uh, well, Gary Neville said uh, he'll come on when we stop, um, when I stop talking about Manchester City. So, never. So all the pundits are travelling back from Russia, that's why you've chosen me. I mean, Southgate was our second choice, to be honest, but we're glad that you could do it. Thank you. Hi, Dad. How are you? I'm all right. I'm fine, thank you. How are you feeling after yesterday's performance? Upbeat. Upbeat? Upbeat. I just think it's brilliant. They're not where they were after the Euros. They're far from where they were after the Euros. Brilliant. Was, the Euros was so depressing. And it's true, after the Euros, everyone was walking around really sad and um, very critical of the team. Whereas I, going around this morning, people have still got their flags up on their cars and there's just this sense of they're coming home heroes um, and next time they'll come home legends. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Then I'm here in our world, the under-20s are doing the under-17s, so I think it's only going to get better. Yeah, we talked about that actually in the, in the, earlier in the podcast, that with players like Phil Foden coming through the ranks, there's such a solid team that can only get better. That's what I think was missing in the tournament was depth. Like as soon as you started substituting players, it got weaker and weaker and weaker. And if we can replace some of that with some up-and-coming youngsters, then... Football is coming home, if, if not next Euros, definitely World Cup. Dad, as a Spurs fan, were you not happy to see so many Tottenham players, though, in the team? Yeah, de- definitely. But sometimes I thought it was like watching Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to experience when, that for the first time of my life. <laughs> so when, um, when they went 1-0 up after such a short time, I thought... We're going to think we've won it, and there was a bit, there was an element of that. You're a Tottenham fan. Why why are you a Tottenham fan? I'm a Tottenham fan because I watched the World Cup in '66 with my dad, and he supported Tottenham, so that's what got me interested in football. I also remember that they also played the England team played in the colours of Spurs, so again, I adopted Spurs. And you've managed to do something that my dad has failed at. You've managed to get all three of your children supporting Spurs. Oh, really? My dad tried to get all three of us supporting Man City, but he took my brothers uh, when they were about 10 and 8 to a Spurs versus City game, and they both turned around in the stand and said, Dad, we're supporting Spurs now. And they are, they are Spurs fans, and I'm the only one that stuck with my dad and supporting City. Really? I mean, that surprised me because I remember all my kids just did it. There was absolutely no question about it none of them challenged it none of them said hang on a minute I might bought another team no they, they just all uh, adopted it straight away and are you thankful for that Anya or is your dad giving you a poison chalice <laughs> no I love being a Spurs fan so dad you have a really interesting job wherein you actually work on quite a few football matches yeah. tell us what's the most interesting or what's the most exciting football match you've ever worked and yeah, there's been so many for so many different reasons. The most interesting ones that stick in my mind, game where we were in Basel, was it? Yeah, for the Euros in 2008. And everybody lost the pictures. Everyone lost the pictures? Yeah, no one could see it at home and the game was still going on. And it was a really, I think it could have even been a semi. Obviously, it's great working on games where Tottenham are winning uh, and people sitting next to me don't really uh, like it I'm going mad and stuff so you can't hold back the emotion when it's when it's Tottenham and you're you're there working back no definitely not definitely not 
I think last night, I, it, it wasn't quite clear, but um, I think when Croatia scored the second goal, they took out a cameraman. The photographer, he's got a close-up of Mandzukic um, celebrating. It's actually a brilliant photo and even better because they all piled on top of him afterwards and then they were... <laughs> so, Dad... Uh, for Sunday, France-Croatia, what's your prediction? Well, on paper, France, 100%, but football's football. I'd love I'd love a country of 4 million people to win it. <laughs> yeah, and then we can say we went out to the winners. Well, you could say that, yeah. Right, and thinking a bit further ahead than Sunday, how do you think Tottenham's going to do next season? I think they should still do well. There's no reason why they shouldn't carry on. They're still young, they're still developing. New stadium, full steam ahead. Who's your pick for Premier League title next year? Oh, crikey. From what you've seen this World Cup? City again. Oh, I with you there. I know. Well, let's move on to something more fun. So, Anya and I have a little game that we want to play with all of our guests this season. And Kev, you're the first up. We're going to play a quick game of word association. So, I'm going to say a word and you have to say the first word that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Go on. Neymar. Man City. Oh. Penalty. England. Kane. Goal scorer. Bobby Robson. Legend. 1966. Dad. Football. Coming home. Yay, eventually. <laughs> Love that you still got the faith. Definitely. In two years' time. Oh, and four. We'll win the Euros and then we'll win the World Cup. I think we need a decent build-up. It would have been a bit of a surprise if we'd won the World Cup this, this time round. Come from nothing to winning. You know, let's go from a... Successful competition. We'll go and do really well in the Euros. We'll keep building, and then we will the world win the World Cup. And I feel like victory will taste even sweeter. Yes, definitely. I had actually heard a fact last, well, not fact, but they were saying yesterday that for some of the players, they've never won a trophy. So it's highly unlikely that the first trophy they would win is the World Cup trophy. Before we leave you, Dad, um, I've got a fun fact that usually I just ask Sarah for her guess, but. We thought it'd be more fun if we did it with the two of you. Go on. So last night, Kieran Trippier scored his goal at just after four minutes, and it's the fastest goal in a semi-final since 1958. Now, my question for you, what is the time of the fastest goal ever in a World Cup tournament? Ooh, 90 seconds. 9-0. Do you know what? I was going to say one minute 30. <laughs> <laughs> Are we right? It's much lower. Is it? Yeah, it's much really? lower. Go on. 11 seconds. No. Literally, they must like just that kick off to someone in the goal. Exactly. So it was against South Korea. Turkey scored against South Korea in the 2003 World Cup. Wow. Good fun fact. Good fun fact. Thanks, Anya. Well, thanks, Dad, for coming <laughs> on and sharing all your stories. Are you going to be tempted to play fantasy football this year? No. <laughs> I don't think I'm good enough. All right, Dad. Well, we may give you a call later on in the season for an update. But thanks so much for coming on. All right. Thank you. I like your podcast. When, we're, when, we're, when it's hugely successful, we've got you to thank for telling us in a car park. Just get on with it, girls. Yeah. No, good. Nice one. See you behind the goal. <laughs> All right, <Dad. laughs> Bye. 
Bye. So, Anya, I'm going to go and have to put this little girl down to sleep. And I think you might be in the same the same position. But thanks, everyone, for listening again to our podcast. We're really enjoying doing this. We're having such great feedback. It was great to be featured in the pool. So if you enjoyed this week's podcast, please subscribe. Listen to next week where we're going to be getting on to Defenders. Um, who's picking your team and we will know who is the winner of the world cup france or croatia look forward to talking to you next week bye sarah bye lottie bye